for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 143. And today, I'm going to tell you, today is a podcast with a guest that when I started this podcast back in 2017, that these are the guys that I want to talk to. And the reason being is because I wanted it to be about guys and gals that were relatable to everybody that would be listening to this podcast can really put themselves in their shoes and be like, I'm like that person, you know, and they can take something from that. The podcast that I recorded today with this guest is probably one of the best podcasts, I I guess I could say, or the most fun podcast. If that it sounds right, the most fun podcast that I've I've recorded, and honestly, you know, I went into this with a plan, with an outline, like I usually do with every podcast. It's like kind of a thirty thousand foot view, and then we get off on some tangents and everything, and I bring it back and everything. But honestly, I went into this with a plan, and we got off that plan, and I was okay with it. We I brought it back, but like it was just more of like a BS session with a good buddy. You know, today's podcast is with Brent Todd. Now, the thing is, is that when I asked him to come on this podcast, he said to me, man, I don't think a lot of guys would want to hear about what I have to say or anything like that. And I said, you're totally wrong because I feel like they would. And the reason being is because Brent Todd, he would never tell you because he is a humble human. He is not a guy that is going to go out there and be like, you know, this is what I've done. So I'm going to tell you, Brent Todd has killed some amazing deer and he gets on some great bucks every year. He hunts a lot in Michigan on private land. He goes out to Kansas, Nebraska, and it doesn't matter where he goes. It seems like he gets on the biggest deer in the area or the top 10% of the size, the size of the bucks in the area. He's just that good. And, you know, when I was texting him, be like, Hey man, I want you to come on. Like I said, he was like, I don't, I, I just don't feel like people want to hear from me. I really appreciate you wanting me to, and I'm glad he, you know, finally said like, hey, you know, I, let, let's do it, you know, because he's the guy that everybody listens to this podcast. If you don't know him, I know a lot of people probably listen to this, will know him or know of him, but if you don't know him, 
he's that guy that goes out, works his ass off every year. You never hear anything from him, and he gets on good deer, and he's the first one to congratulate you on whatever you harvest or you kill. He's just that guy. He's just a genuine human. This one is awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. I was into this. So we get into a lot of things as far as the evolution of a hunter, you know, over a, like a 17 year period. And then getting into like getting on, you know, the best deer in the area that you're hunting. So it, there's a lot of different things in here. We talk about scent control as well and what he does and you know his thoughts on it. So it's really cool. There's a wide variety in this. Um, I know we're going to do another one. We already talked about it, about shed hunting. He's very passionate about shed hunting. Maybe more passionate about shed hunting than he is actually hunting. So that's pretty cool. Something I want to learn more from him about. So without further ado, here is the interview with Brent Todd. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. We've got another guest on this week, a new guest, Brent Todd. Brent, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, yeah. Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. You know, I, I reached out to you not too long ago and wanted to get you on here, and I think you were a little taken back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I definitely was. Yeah, but the thing is with you, and like you and I have talked before and, you know, before recording everything, and from, you know, you and I went to the same high school. You're a little older than I am. I, I've, I've known of you. Never. I don't know if I've ever actually met you face to face, but we we kind of run and a lot of you know, our mutual friends are kind of, we're friends. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. hear a lot about you. And the thing is, a guy like you, I look at from a distance and I'm just like, this guy gets on good bucks wherever he's at every year. And I'm like, I got to fucking talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just tying them down. Nobody knows about it. <laughs> you got something like a high fence, or you know, just uh, tying them down with a dog dog leash or something. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I, I need to find out what you're doing. <laughs> I just think I'm getting lucky, man. Honestly, that could be it too. I mean, whatever it is, I need you to scrape that off on me, and uh, so I can I can get more chances, I guess. <laughs> But today, I'm trying to get some audio levels here, make sure I'm good, I'm bouncing all over. But today, I want to get into that, and I don't know where this conversation is going to go. I got an outline, but you know what? We could get off on tangents and everything like that, and that's fine. So um, first of all, I just want to, everybody out there that might not know you, just kind of give a little rundown of who you are, maybe what you do, and where you're from. I'm from Macosta, Michigan. I grew up in Macosta, Michigan, born and raised. Um, I've been bow hunting since I was nine years old. I was taught how to bow hunt by my uncle. He was the 17th child out of 17 babies. Holy and, shit, uh, he's the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was the youngest. My dad never bow hunted. My dad was a carpenter, plumber, mechanic, electrician, that type of thing, and he was always busy, and he didn't really like hunting and fishing, and his youngest brother was the one that got me into it. So Okay, so... Um, with with that, I, I guess you should keep going. I just cut you off there. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. No, so I, I guess with that, like what, you know, not having your dad being in, like, living the outdoor lifestyle, what made you, like, what was that trigger that was like, man, I want to do this? Was it like a friend that maybe shot a deer when you were little or an uncle always bringing the deer by? Like, what was that, like, just trigger that, like, man, I want to do that? Yeah, it was my uncle. Yep. Okay, so he, yeah. was he just hardcore into it then? Yep, ever since I was a kid, he still is. He's 
probably 71 or 72 years old. He's still climbing up in the trees and shooting deer with a compound bow. Even right now, late season, he's out there. Kudos to him, man. <laughs> I mean, it, he would always come and make sure that I got in the got in the rowboat with got in the rowboat with him to snag lips off a of bass, and he'd always get me up a tree stand to kill a deer with my bow. The first time I shot a deer with my bow, I think I was ten. I never actually killed and or never never actually shot and took one until I was thirteen. That's okay. when I killed my first, harvested my first deer. I got gotcha. you. Now you're you did a lot of private land hunting, right? Growing up, it was all private. Yeah, it was all private. Okay. Now, was it ever, you know, this big public land craze going on right now? Was it ever something where you like, you know, I want to go hunt some public, or was it ever even a thought to hunt public? No. Actually, I had never even stepped foot on public land to hunt until I left the state of Michigan because I always had so much um, private land here in the state or here in Michigan to, to bow hunt. Yep. And there's some good uh, public ground, I mean, in Macosta, Macosta County, and around us. I mean, there's... Oh, a lot yeah, of there's public fantastic, ground. There's fantastic public ground around there. Actually, right around the property that I grew up on, there's like a 6,800-acre cedar swamp. It's nothing but public land. Yep. Thicker it's just, and it's hell. so vast. And, <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like a labyrinth of down cedar trees and, you know, a winding river that goes through there. Just, there's not that many people that go in there. Sure. Now, you know, getting started when you were 10, you know, 10, 11, 12, around there, when – you know, you're probably killing deer, a lot of, you know, a lot, what everybody did growing up, you know, they get started early killing deer now, but when did you get hit with like the serious bug? And I got, the reason why I ask you that is because I got asked that question not too long ago and it's like, it made me think about it. It was like, man, I always felt like I was serious like when I was in high school and junior high, but really, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, I was a bait hunter. We were bait hunters. Yeah. So it's like yep. you're hunting over a bait pile and it was like, that was serious, but really, it was not, you know, like serious to me is like, okay, you're starting to run cams, starting to like yep. move your stands, starting to, you know, figure out the lay of the land, how deer use topography. Like when did that hit you? And then like you kind of take it to the next level. That was, that was probably the fall of 2003. I think I was in my, my second year of college or the end of my first year in college. And uh, I kind of, up until that point, I was always hunting with my uncle. And at that point, I kind of broke off on my own that fall, started doing things on my own. Long story short, I wound up putting an arrow in a buck that, Jesus, he had a he had a busted right beam. I, I bet he wouldn't net 95 inches. But anyways, he was the first, to me, like legit nice, nice buck that I had taken with my bow. Well, I didn't hit him good, so I called my uncle, and I had a, a cousin of mine come and help me on the track job. And we wandered our way through the swamp. I don't know, for hours that night. And they were they were both very discouraging. And they were saying, oh, we're not going to find him. I, I think you hit him bad. We need, you know, we need to just get out of here. And I was just, I was really bummed because I thought to myself, God, this is the first buck that's, to me, that, that felt like, you know, I really accomplished something. Well, long, long story short, I went back in the next morning. I found him all by myself. And uh, I did the recovery all on my own. And at that moment, it just kind of solidified everything. And I was like, this is what I'm, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Yep. Now, I because I remember that same thing. Mine was 2008 or 2000. I think it was 2000, no 2009. Sorry. And I did the same thing. I shot a buck that like netted like 105. And I actually, my brother-in-law, you know him, Aaron Hample, he filmed yep. me. And it was, but it was the first time that I actually like, I got pictures of this buck. It was the first year I started running trail cams. 
it was the first, I got a picture of this deer in August, August 18th. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a freaking giant. Like to me, that was like a, mm-hmm. a giant, like, and I, I, I was hunting a food plot thinking I wasn't like really hunting that deer, but I was like, you knew he was there. So it's like yeah. still just kind of like nosing around and trying to figure out where to go. And I, I just wasn't seeing the deer like the first two weeks of the season and not seeing any bucks and i'm like you know what just out of whim i was like you know i'm gonna move my stand and that was like to me that was like something i've not never done but it was like new for me you know yeah move your stand and (laughs) i moved it like a couple hundred yards over over a ridge and i was right on the edge of a thick cedar swamp really i mean i think it was blind luck but it taught me a lot we went in there uh october 18th that buck came out and I, I almost positive, knowing now what I know, almost positive that deer was bedded in the thick cedars, and we were the first stop. It was a topography. It was I was sitting right on a drainage that comes up between uh, two oak ridges, okay. and that's that was leading right to the destination food. And yep. he just happened to come by me at 12 yards and slipped an arrow through him, and, dude, I lit the world on fire. Like, that was tailgate <laughs> down, got to show everybody this buck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Driving a hundred miles at the tailgate down, people honking and waving. <laughs> yep. But I, I just remembered that feeling. And then when somebody asked me, like, when did you start getting serious? I love asking people that too, because I want to know their story and like what made it click for them. So, but you recovering that deer must've been even more of an accomplishment, I would think, than shooting it. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely. I think about that to this day. I mean, I, I can remember walking through that swamp, you know, climbing over bogs and deadfalls and my uncle and my cousin in my ear, you know, just saying, Hey, you know, well, we're not going to find this deer. You didn't hit him good enough. And I remember how crappy that I felt. I'm thinking, God damn it. You know, I'm, I screwed it up. I'm not going to find the deer. Well, despite what they were telling me, like I said, I went back in the next morning before class. I just got on a trail and started walking. And I just happened to find this damn thing laying in the swamp. And I, I, I can still remember how amazing that felt. And then it sucked because I had to get the thing out of it by my <laughs> That was a pain in the ass. Yeah, but that's that's just what, you know, I always say, and a lot of people do as well, it's all all in stages. You know, oh, yeah. it's it definitely, you, now you learn from that. Like the next year, it's like, okay, maybe I get like a sled or like a, you know, some there, sort of drag yeah, system, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So I definitely get that. I, I love learning like that. But I would say after that year I did that, it was like an accel- accelerated learning experience. I mean, it seemed like everything started to fall into place. And, you know, probably the next three years after that, it was like, okay, now I'm figuring out like seeing the better bucks in the area, maybe not getting shots yeah. at them, but getting close. Yep. I've always, I've always referred to, to that particular emotion as the evolution of a hunter. I mean, how, how somebody just changes from year to year based on the things that they see, the things that they encounter, the things that they achieve. You know what I mean? Some, sometimes guys are, they're dead set on killing a buck that's, 90 90 inches or 100 inches and then they kill a few of those and then and then they set their sights higher like well i want to kill a buck that's a little bit bigger or i want to you know i want to kill an older buck for sure and you know and that kind of goes in a good segue into my next question here and it's like you know to this day now like you know that started in 2003 you said so we're you know 17 years or so since that's happened like what what is your goals like what were your goals then do you remember like setting goals in like I want to accomplish this or I want to encounter so many deer or I want to kill a certain size buck. Like what was your goal then? I think at that point 
back in 2003. And I don't, I don't, I really don't think I had any goals other than just killing deer. But after I recovered that buck, I think that my goals shifted and I just wanted to do things on my own. I wanted to be alone and I wanted to achieve things by myself and feel very independent, you know, as far as a bow hunter is concerned. And, uh, now they just, I mean, they've grown into just wanting to kill the biggest the biggest bucks I can possibly kill. I mean, who doesn't have that goal? For sure. No, yeah, I definitely get that. Now, are you more, are you trying to get like a deer to a certain age or are you trying to shoot a certain age class or is it like, well, if a two-year-old comes in and he's pulping young, like he's mine, you know? Because I can tell <laughs> no, you if a two-year-old comes in and he's pulping young, he is going down <laughs> in Michigan for sure. <laughs> oh, see, it makes me happy that you said that because I just had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about another friend of mine who's dead set on shooting bucks that are just completely mature regardless of, regardless of antler size he wants them to be completely mature and i said that's 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 awesome you know congratulations that's a great thing about bow hunting who gives a shit what state you're in you can do, any guy can do whatever he wants when he gets up in the tree set it, it's your choice yep but for me for me in particular you know if, if a year and a half old buck walks by and he's got 120 120 inches of bone on his head i'm letting one fly at him i 100%. don't really care how old <laughs> If it gets my heart up, you know, if, if it gets my, my heart racing, then I'm shooting. Definitely. And that, that's what I go off to is just like if he comes around the corner and it's like, well, shit, that's a shooter, you know, that's that's where I'm going. It, it, I always go off that initial thing when you I – sh- I shouldn't say initial because I've looked at a lot of deer and like, damn, damn, you know, and then it's yeah. like he gets a little closer like, ooh, okay, he well, might – <laughs> You've heard Jeff Sturgis talk about his 10-second rule, haven't you? Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You have 10 seconds to decide if he pops out and you're just, you're everything you can do to clip on your string. Yeah. You might want to kill the buck. Yep. But for if sure. you're second guessing yourself or you're, you're wondering, then yeah. I don't know. Everybody's got their own opinion. Everybody's got their own goals. That's what, that's what makes it so much fun is we can all do whatever the hell we want. Well, for sure. And that's, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast too, is just to get on here with guys like you and drink a couple beers and bullshit and have an excuse yeah. about, about talking about hunting. <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to talk to my buddy about. Cause our mutual friend, we we were just telling, you know, Hey, if you want to shoot bucks that are, you know, fully mature in Michigan, that, that's cool. But don't scoff at me if I want to shoot hundred percent. If I want to shoot a buck that's going to net a hundred inches or 105 or 115. If, if, if that's what makes me happy, then don't scoff at it. Just, High five me and give me a glass of whiskey. Shut up. <laughs> I fucking love it. And that's kind of where I'm at too with it. Like, I won't lie to you. Back in when I was in high school, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, like around those times, like I was, I was the guy that was like, man, why did the neighbor shoot that deer? Like, or why did, yeah. why did this guy shoot that deer? And, you know, me being a dumbass kid and being immature. And as I like grew as a hunter, I'm like, who am I? to tell that person what the hell they should shoot. You don't know what situation they're in, you know, there it is. they could, they could freaking be, you know, this might be their last fall. You don't know that. Yeah. And I've totally changed my demeanor in the fact that like, you know, I might not have shot that deer, but like that made that person happy for a brief, you know, period of time. And he's at camp getting drunk now or doing whatever he wants to do, you know, and that, that guy might have been in the tree stand with his dying uncle. But, you know, this is hundred percent fall. Every, you know what I mean? Hundred percent, man. You, you hit you hit the nail on the head. If it makes them happy, shake his goddamn hand, give him a high five, whatever you got to do. Be happy for the dude. Yeah, you know what I mean. If a buddy of mine pulls in my driveway, 
with a tiny little buck and he is through the through the freaking roof excited i'm gonna i'm gonna reciprocate that energy because obviously the guy's happy for it i'm i'm happy for him you know definitely that might be his biggest deer and you don't know that either you know yeah yeah i totally get it and that's what i feel like has been wrong with hunting industry in general it's you only get accepted if you kill big deer and i went through it last year i've said it before on the podcast here i you know in seven days i killed two vastly different bucks and i got so much shit for shooting the second one because it was so much smaller than the first one i killed and i'm like who the fuck are you to tell me what i should be shooting (laughs) you know what i mean i don't know but no, I, I yeah. totally get all that, and it's yeah, you're, not, you're not a good hunter these days unless you kill a buck north to 170. You know what I mean? I'm 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 quicker to hit that goddamn heart button on Instagram when I see a see a dude with a big ass smile on his face holding whatever size rack than I am with some some celebrity holding a 200 incher. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, it, it, it does it. Yeah. No, I get it, man. I I totally I'm I'm speaking the same language as you are, and. You know, it's it's cool. Like, there's a time and a place for the Mark Drury's. You know, that guy oh, yeah. has got his. I, I got nothing against Mark Drury. I know Mark Drury. Um, I've you know I've talked to him a few times. I don't know him like great, but you know that guy is. I've talked deer hunting with him, and it that he is. And I just name dropped. I didn't want to. I don't want to name drop at all. <laughs> I only got I put in a situation because my bosses know him really well. So no, he's he's fun to watch. Yeah. But he's, he's got his situation so dialed, you know what I mean? Like, and more power to him. Hey, if you can do that, man, that's awesome. Who would who would not want to live under those circumstances as far as being a hunter? Mm-hmm. How would you not want that? Yeah, you're passing up 150s and 160s because they're five hey. years old. <laughs> hey, good for you, man. That's where you're at, but I'm just not there. And it's going to no. be a hell of a long time before I get there. Yep. Well, and that kind of brings into me my next next little question. All I want to say is like, you know, you started your goals then, and now what is your, what have your goals have they kind of morphed into anything now? Like, are you certain shooting for a certain size restriction, or, or what is it? Uh yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, I don't really know how to articulate that actually. Well, let me put it out I there think... for everybody. You've got some really good bucks on the wall from Michigan and from out of state, but you've killed some damn good deer in Michigan. Like deer that, you know, a lot of people will, you know, might only kill one in their lifetime. So like everybody knowing that, like what what is, what is your what is your, you know, your experience on your you know, you're you're up there. So like what is your what are you at now? I think I think now it shifted into something that's made me want to have a more personal experiment. Sorry, personal ex- experience with a particular animal. You know what I mean? Like yep. picking picking an animal animal out in the summertime and targeting targeting that deer and trying to kill that deer. Okay, I know it's it's kind of like a pipe dream for most people, and it is for myself too because I personally have never done that. I've only came close to doing it once. Yep, but I think that. As far as goals are concerned, that's what I want to do more than anything is just to pick a buck out to hunt that particular deer and kill that deer. It just hasn't happened yet. I haven't gotten that lucky. I mean, it's, I've set my sights on a few deer the past couple of years, and it hasn't worked out, and I wind up pulling the trigger on something else. But 
that's where my goals are now. And that's stressful because I've tried to do that. Oh, yes, it's stressful. <laughs> it's very stressful. <laughs> I mean, we had two big deer this year here in Michigan on our family farm. I mean, two of the best year we've probably ever had on the farm, watching them all summer. I filmed them in the, in the hay field. And then, like, October 2nd, our neighbor shoots one. And, mm-hmm. you know, the next week the neighbor shoots the other. And I'm like, God dang it. Like, all right, what do we got? Well, what do we got yeah, left? I don't, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I don't know how how guys go through the whole goddamn season doing this stuff. When they pick out one deer and they just, yep, he, he's all that's gonna suffice. Yep. They don't. Yeah. They don't get him, and they just end the year without killing a buck. Yep. I don't know how they do it. Is if you, how is your mentality with killing a buck every year? Do you have to kill a buck every year, or is it just? Hell no. It, this this year is the first year I killed a buck that's gonna go over a hundred inches in Michigan since the fall of seventeen. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And obviously yeah. not for a lack of trying. You bust your ass out there. Oh my do. god! I'd grind it out as hard as I can all the way until January first, man. Yep. Now let's let's take let's set up some time frames here. So like when you started really being like trying to you know really get serious, like you said around two thousand three and on. You know what was your style of hunting? Were you a mobile hunter? Were you a set stand guy? Were you you know what kind of hunting hunter would you say you were? Nope. When I first, when I, at that point, I was just hanging a, uh, hanging a tree stand, like a hang on tree stand, throwing some bait down. Okay. That's all I was doing. I, I mean, that was before trail cameras. That was before all that other shit. You just had sugar beets, carrots and corn and apples and whatever the hell else you could get your hands on. And yep. that's, that's what I would hunt over. And then it didn't, it, it didn't take too long to realize that, well, you hunt the stand long enough, these deer are just going to stop coming into this bait until after dark, and then you're not going to get a shot at them. You're not going to see anything, so you're going to have to, you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to change, and get away from that whole style. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? How long did it t- to how long did it take for you to like kind of realize that and be like, well, I got to adapt now? <laughs> About one season, <laughs> <laughs> if not shorter. I mean, it, early season, early season, they'll stick around. At least, at least, you know, does and fawns and young bucks, they'll still come in and they'll visit that bait site, you know, during daylight hours. But once you get to the latter part of the season, especially after gun season comes and then goes, and then you then you shift into, you know, like where we're at now is late season. They're just not showing up. Right. I mean, you're still getting you're still getting tons of tracks and trails and shit like that around your bait pile. Yeah, they just they just quit coming. So you you have to adapt. You have to change. And now, so were you just hunting one stand over one bait pile then? No, I mean I would probably have two or three. Okay. Going. Yep. So you just have to play the wind and just you know visit each one every you know every other day or whatever. Okay. So when you started adapting a little bit, what what did that mean for you? Were you just all right? I gotta maybe not hold on, hunt over bait, and I gotta figure out train features or how these yeah. are moving a little more. Yeah, it, it started to it, it took it started to make me ask questions. You know, like why and how and when. Like, where are these deer at when I'm climbing up into the tree? And what are they doing? And where, where are they going? If I if I didn't have this bait here, where would you know where are the deer be? And why? Yeah. How could I how could I get close to these deer if I didn't have this bait here? And then I started to put things together. I started to pay closer attention to tracks and sign and you know ag fields and shit like that and, and topography and stuff. And uh, you start to put those things together. You start to you start to use your brain a little bit more when you, when you take the whole baiting aspect out of it. And it makes it more fun because when it does come together, holy shit! Like I I beat this animal at his own game instead of just 
throwing some food on the ground and saying, here, come to this. Manipulate them, making them yeah. come into Yeah, I totally get that. Now, did you have any, like, when you were doing that and trying to figure out sign and everything, did you have any mentors you were, like, looking up to, any guys or gals or whoever it might be that were, like, you know, now we've got, like, the Jeff Sturgis and the Dan and yeah. and the Andre DeQuistos. Like, did you have a guy like mm-hmm. that that you were, like, I'm trying to learn from him? No, uh, TV and magazines, man. Yep. My uncle was a bait hunter, and uh, he and uh, he always will be. And uh, and more power to him. I I love the guy. If it wasn't for him, I would I would be walking around the woods with a bow in my hand. But um, just TV and magazines, you know. Yeah. You start you, you start to branch out, and you start to look at how other people do things, or you know, your classmates or people you talk to, and uh, you. It, it, it's like a. You're like a sponge, you know. You're, you're going to absorb information from everybody that you come across. And For sure. Hopefully put that shit to use instead of just ignore it. Yep. Did you ever have, like, did you ever have, like, an aha moment? Like, like me, in 2009, when I shot that buck on the edge of that cedar swamp, I had, like, an aha moment. Like, that's the first time I remember asking myself, like, why was this deer doing this? Like, where was he coming from and why did he do it? Like, uh, do you remember having that aha moment if you had one? Uh, the only thing that comes to mind was fall of 18 and it, it was an unsuccessful hunt. It was, it was a bad experience, but it was a very good learning experience. And I think that was probably the only aha moment that I can think of that really pops in my mind. Okay. I, I, <clears throat> I, a, I guess let me rephrase the question a little bit of like, did you ever go in on like, let's say some tracks, like some, you found some big tracks or something and then you saw that deer and you're like, okay. Like now I'm putting it together, like something like that, or, you know, a scrape line or a rub line and saw a deer working it. And we're like, okay, that's how that works. Did you ever have that? Nothing really pops out. Okay. Yeah. I was just shot in the dark. So (laughs) that's just the detail that I like to hear. So it's like, um, no, I wish, I wish I had something like that. I mean, it'd be a cool, be a cool story. I guess I just can't really think of anything. Nah, that's all right. But so going back to the fall of 18, what was, what was that story? I was a deer that was a deer that I, uh, I named stretch. Um, my cousin found a match set of his antlers the year before when he, what we believed to be, was a three and a half year old buck. He was just a mainframe eight. Um, stretch always had really long brows. That's why we called him stretch because he stretched towards the sky. Really corny and stupid. I like naming but, uh, deer though too. <laughs> yeah, I know it's who doesn't. Um, I learned a lot. What I I thought I learned a lot about this deer during that shed season because I thought I, I thought I figured out where this damn thing was bedding. Long story short, I set up in a spot that I thought would put me in front of him while he was coming from his bed to go to the ag field that was north of where I was hunting. Um, I heard a deer walking through the timber. It was the latter part of October. I think it was October 22nd. Um, so I thought to myself, well, if I hit my ground, it's a buck by himself. He might come in, you know, to check things out. Well, it, it was a buck. I hit my ground. He came in. He popped out 80, 84 yards from my tree, I think it was. And uh, once I saw the trail that he was going to take, I just hung my bow back up because the wind was hitting me on the back of the head, blowing straight to where he was going to you know, yep. cross me. And so I just hung my bow back up and I started counting and I made it to six and the brakes came on. His nose went up in the air. 
and in true in true big buck fashion, he just I mean he didn't he didn't make a sound. He didn't run. He just turned around and got the hell out of there as fast as he could. He didn't he didn't blow. He didn't run. He just oh shit, and he just he just got knew out something was up. It was really interesting to watch that because I kept thinking as soon as he gets downwind, he's just gonna he's gonna go ape shit. He's gonna blow, and you know what I mean. He's gonna, he's gonna run as fast as he can, and he didn't. I I clearly could see that he smelled it. He just didn't do what I thought he was gonna do. Yep. So when I mean. That's tough because it's like, do you think you were, like, did he just come up out of nowhere, like, in a spot, like you said, like, he just did something that you didn't think he was going to do, or did you think no, he was set up a little, little wrong? I think, I think, I just think I was set up poorly, and uh, he was just doing what big bucks do. He was using his nose, um, he was using his nose to make sure that he figured out what the hell was making that noise before he came in close enough. Yep. You know, and it's funny when you get those moments. Now we're talking about this. I've, I actually had one happen to us this year, this fall, and it just popped in my head. So I'll be quick with this, but my boss and I, Casey, uh, I film him all the time. I filmed him for the last nine years. Well, anyway, we're down in Ohio on our lease, and we're, we're hunting this, this big hollow. It, it's like huge hills around us. We're down kind of in the bottom. And for four days, we sat like all day and every deer that would come in, they would come in front of us. There's this like little opening in the timber and they'd hit that opening. Literally this opening is probably 30 yards by 30 yards. Every deer, it did not matter where the deer came from, would hit that opening and then they'd disperse from there. On the fourth day, it was morning, he does a blind rattle. Here comes this huge buck coming right down the hill we're like perfect gonna fall right into our lap he comes down he gets right to the opening if he would come into the opening killed him he puts the skids on and was like okay you know something he knew something was up turns and he starts side hilling and Mm -hmm. i looked at casey and he looked at me like we knew we both basically without saying it said like the fucker's going downwind (laughs) you know he is you know but it was crazy how yeah. he came right to that opening, the only deer to not come in the opening, and he hits it like he hit a wall. And he's like, wait a second. Like his instincts took over again like, okay, nope. This is, you know, I'm, yep. I'm too far. I, I got I to gotta get my wits about me again. It was literally, you could almost hear, see him thinking. Yeah. And he gets downwind, and he comes right. Thank God Casey was at full draw right when he hit downwind and, you know, let him have it. But it was like, man. Like, well, we sh- we hit him. Oh, he got and him. It, it was he had to thread the needle, did hit him kind of bad. Tracked him, the most blood I've ever seen ever. Mm-hmm. Um, we tracked him for two days and oh. didn't end up getting him. Yeah, it, it was, and it was that's literally, shitty. and that's like you. We sat there at camp that sec after the second day, just kind of like bumming, you know. And it's like literally, we kept going back to like he's the only freaking deer that did not come in that opening. Like why, why? And it's just like because these deer, these mature bucks, have something about them that just like keeps them alive, you know. It's a subspecies of a whitetail, I always say. <laughs> it's it's so freaking cheesy to say it, but they are they're 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 just a different animal. My story with stress didn't end that season. It happened uh, last season. I moved even closer to where I thought he was coming from out of his bed. Um, on the north 
shit, it wouldn't be the north. Yeah, it'd be the northeast corner of our property. There was so on the south side of the south side of this property, there's a big lake. Well, you know where it is. You know where Dial Lake is, don't you? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so so there's Dial Lake, and then on the north side of Dial Lake, there's a big marsh. Well, there's a beaver dam that crosses between uh, between our property and the neighbors, and that's where Stretch was coming from. Stretch was betting on the neighbor coming across that goddamn beaver dam and coming onto our peninsula, yep. going out and using that to get out to Hatfield. And I didn't realize that until I put it together during shed season. So I set up on this peninsula, hoping to intercept stretch coming across this beaver dam. And I was trying to pick a wind that was both av- advantageous to me and him. You know what I mean? Right. I don't want something hitting me right in the face. Like a just off he- wind or something. Yeah. And, that, and that's how I set up. So I had like a Southwest wind that was kind of blowing half-assed towards where I thought he was coming from. Well, he came off of this beaver dam, and instead of coming up straight across that peninsula like he had like he had done in all half a dozen times on my camera, the fucker turned and started heading south. Well, as soon as he had, as soon as he started heading south, he got a nose full of me, and then then he just took the lakeside edge all the way around, and I just got to walk. I I, I got to watch him walk out of my life. Well, at this point, 2019. He had a he had an eight point frame that was north of forty, and he had three drop times, which would have holy shit. Well, with the, with the <laughs> drop times and all of his trash, he probably would have been north of sixty, maybe low seventies. He was a, he 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 was and is still the biggest whitetail I have ever hunted in my life, in in state or out of state. I mean, I, I've got tons of pictures of this thing. It just yeah. Is he still alive? I don't know. I heard a lot of rumors that you know people. Or, people i heard a lot of rumors from people that a guy shot a really big 20 point buck up that way yeah and i could see how somebody could get 20 20 points off of him he, he didn't have 20 scoreables i think he had something like 17 scoreables yeah but uh i never saw a picture i never heard anything other than rumors so i don't know i don't know if somebody killed him and i just didn't see a picture or if maybe the winner killed him but haven't seen shit of him since so when you mentioned in shed season you figured out how he was moving through there. Like what made you figure that out in shed season? It, it was just something really intricate in the terrain, something that I had never noticed before. I mean, I'd walked this property since I was a kid and uh, I had never looked at this particular part of the property. And like I said, it was just, it was just a narrow little corridor between the lake and the marsh on the North side. And all it was, was just a beaver dam that was probably no 40 yards long. Yep. And the, the entire beaver dam was not 40 yards long, mind you. That. That's I mean, a huge there, beaver dam. <laughs> yeah, there, there's brush and there's other shit that, that was that was in there, but it was just it was just dry enough between the neighbor's property to the east and our property, which we call the peninsula. With that beaver dam created, it was just dry enough that deer could you know they deer could traverse that area. And I thought to myself, well, what the fuck if he's coming across there? You know, right? Well. I walked through there and I found two sheds right there in that beaver dam and I found a bunch of beds. And then I just, I don't know, I just kind of assumed that that's where he was bedding. I walked out into the marsh and I found some more beds underneath some lone trees. Yep. I can't confirm whether or not he was bedding out there. All I know is when I set up there that evening, he came out there well before, well before dark and I would have killed him if he would have came straight across and he didn't. So, that, and that was going to be my next question. You kind of answered it, but, at, you know, thinking that the deer, I, I'm, I'm wondering if the deer actually thought, like, it's dry enough, like, it's kind of hard, it might be hard for them to move through there. So, like, 
are they thinking you know how like turkeys they like to roost over like wet areas because predators yeah. can't yeah. so i wonder yeah. if a deer thinks that same way like okay like it might be tough for predators or, or you know something to get through here and that's why they use that i don't know if that's weird to think that you know, i don't i have no idea and that's that I, I remember finding that and maybe it was just fate maybe something in me just clicked and i you know and i just happened to focus on this area okay. i have no idea what what took place all i know is on the south side's nothing but a big ass lake on the north side's nothing but a big ass marsh and i remember thinking obviously if stretch is going to come from the neighbor to us he's not going to walk right across this gigantic marsh where right. he's going to be visible he's not he's not going to swim across the lake there's just this tiny little corridor of you know tag elder tag tag elder and you know autumn olive and shit like that mm-hmm. that he that any deer could walk through so why would he not come through here if i was a buck that's how that's the path i would take to get from point a to point b yep so i set a camera up there when the hell was it it was late summer of that that year late summer of 19 i got a velvet picture of him coming across that gap okay and i'll never i'll never forget it because i went freaking that shit crazy when you i was checking the you're like yeah shit, i, I, I got told it. my daughters i told my wife Holy shit, look at this deer. i got him figured out and i didn't but i got one trail <laughs> camera picture of the deer i'm like i figured them out but that's no, that's what's fun about it though you know like how many times you get a deer that yeah. caliber in our you know an area like ours and or anywhere i mean shit that's a good deer anywhere you go you know i couldn't believe it when i seen all seen all the antler on it said i had guys doubting me saying oh that's that's a, that's a sanctuary buck i'm like i <laughs> He's not a sanctuary buck, I can tell you that, because I can show you right where the hell he's, you know, right. where he's living. Now, I got a, this is just my weird brain also, but when you were shed hunting, you find all, find all those beds. Are you, did it ever cross your mind that you're like, well, this buck, he's, he's mature buck. He's probably not going to want to bed with all these deer. Did you ever think like something like that? Or this is probably just like a doe family group bedding here? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's one of the first things I look for. When I find a bed, I look for more beds. Yep. Or I'll just get right down in the bed and I'll kind of, you know, it's really cheesy, but I'll try to, you know, try to look from a deer's perspective, what they might be seeing when they're laying in their bed, what they might be feeling or hearing, you know, depending on what, you know, what the wind's doing. And, uh, yeah, I think about those things. If if you come across the bed and then you look three feet away and you see another bed and then then another bed, obviously it's probably a doe family group because you're not going to have a buck bedding with a bunch of does right it's just not going to happen i mean bucks they don't like all that they don't like all that activity that for sure does and, and 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 that that's a valuable piece of information too so like if you're like well doe family groups are bedding in here i mean you can set up downwind of this this bedding area now and you know in the, mm-hmm. in, the in the in the rut and you never know, you're going to have bucks probably cruising the downwind side of that. Yeah. So, and it, that's not cheesy to get down to bed, in my opinion. Hell, I, I measure beds. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I find a solitary bed, I'm like, I'm measuring that bastard to figure out yeah. how big of a deer it might be. And and that's just how stupid I am. But <laughs> Might have laid my hand in a few to see if they were still warm. <laughs> oh, this one's got shit in it. It's got to be a buck. Yeah. yeah. Let me pull it apart, see what he might have been eating. Yep, for sure. So now, I mean, you're talking about, I'm going to kind of go back to like the evolution of what you were doing. Now, when did you, and I'm going to preface this with me, what I think makes a really good like hunter or bow hunter or something like that is a guy that can adapt, like adapt to any situation or actually, you know, see sign and pounce on it and like get in tight and know how to make the right moves. Like, 
I feel like you're a guy that does that. So like when would that when did that move, you know, that shift happen where you're like from a set stand guy to like a mobile guy? Oh god, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I really couldn't. Yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to. No, I really don't I don't I don't know when that took place. I mean I I think over the years I just I just kept getting lucky, you know, like a buck would just happen to fall in my lap and I'd kill him and holy shit how that happened and I didn't really have to worry about that sort of thing, but I think that, th- like the questions you're asking, these ha- those that that sort of that sort of stuff hasn't taken place until like the last okay I two got you. three years. Yep, definitely. You know what I mean? It's I've just been I've just been lucky, right place, right time, and well, and that's a decent buck. I mean, that's most of it too, right? I mean, seat time and being at the right place at the right time. Oh, absolutely, and. You know, and obviously I always say too, and people can fight me on it too, but I feel like you're only as good as your property and people being like, oh, that's not true. But that to me, hey. you're not going to kill a 140 if you don't have 140s roaming around your property. Dude, you said it, man. And I don't, I can't remember where in the hell I heard this or who said it, but I was watching a hunting video and I know I was really young when I heard this goddamn quote. The guy said, you're not going to kill big bucks if big bucks aren't there. <laughs> You can't see it any fucking nope, simpler exactly. than that. And that's they don't like, live there, you ain't going to fucking kill them. I mean, you can try as hard as you need to kill a four-and-a-half or five-and-a-half-year-old 150, but if you don't have those on your property or neighboring properties, you're not going to kill the damn thing. So For sure, and that, and pushing. that's when I've probably – it's probably been, I don't know, six or seven years since I've heard that. And ever since I heard that, I kind of took that to heart and was like, okay, well – then I'm going to start focusing on instead of, cause I've never had that dream of like, Oh, I'm going to kill 130 or bust like, or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, but I'm going to take the biggest deer that the biggest per, top 10%, I guess you could say of the bucks mm-hmm. in my area and on my farm. If that buck walks by me, he's getting an arrow. That's just, that's what I go by. And like I said, this year, the two big deer that died, then it goes down to the next one. Okay. What's, you know, the next one we've got information on or whatever we know is here. So like if that's a 110 inch eight pointer and he, and he shows up and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know, I really want that deer. Then I'm not going to kill that deer. There you but go. That's kind of the model that I go by. Me too, man. You got to listen to your heart. There, yeah. There's been times where there's been times where I've, where I've had bucks, you know, say early season, mid season rut that, I definitely would have killed, but then I see them late season and I'm like, well, fuck, he's made it this long. You know, he made it past the orange army. He made it past muzzleloader season. It's now it's late season. You're talking latter part of December. This guy's still roaming around. I'm going to let him go. I mean, there's been times where I've had shots at bucks like that and I just pass him and then I never see him again. I mean, I, I like to say, well, I let these bucks go. Let's try to let, try to let him get some age on him. But truth be told, I just suck at killing them damn thing. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think well, you do. You got a wall to represent, uh, or a wall that a lot of people would like to have. I know well, that. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just talking about all the bucks that you let go. You know what I mean? They, they come walking oh, sure, by, yeah. and, and you have this dream of seeing this deer again next year, and it just doesn't happen. And where'd he yep. go? Exactly. I mean? And it's like we've had deer that you think it through, but you're like, okay, you know, he's not doesn't show up the next year, but the year after, here he is. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen a lot, but we've had that, and it's like, well, where the hell have you been hanging out? You know, yeah. and it, it's crazy. It's it's it, That's what's so fascinating about whitetails. I say it all the time. It's like, it's just 
They're so humbling. Just when you think you have them figured out, you know nothing yep. about them. They make, they, make <laughs> you, they make you feel like you have an IQ of 10. Exactly. It's like turkeys. Turkeys are yeah. hum, humble, ugly creatures. Humble, ugly, but beautiful. <laughs> they're, That's right. They're, they're good. It's like, man, I can, that bird's easy to kill, you know, and then you get over there and he sees you from two and a half miles and you're like, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm really not that good. <laughs> I, had a, I had a Tom pick me out in the saddle from about 90 yards tonight. It made me feel crappy. I wasn't even moving. Jeez. Like, How in the hell did you see me? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the late season thing is we at our family farm, we've got a 65 acre hay field. Well, it was killed off this year cause they're going to replant something next year. So okay. we haven't had our big destination you know, food, we haven't had it all year, and it has definitely hurt us. I mean, mm-hmm. late season right now, I'm just trying to kill some does. I actually ended up killing one last night, but it was, I mean, late season up here, you'll see 15, 20 does a sit. Yeah. You know, last night I saw three, and it's it's crazy how the deer are just not, not using it like they used to. You know, and it's been colder and shit. Last night was 20 degrees, oh, dude, you know. That throws my ass off to me. Yeah. I got yep. skunked. First time I've been skunked. I told my wife, I, yeah, I was texting her while I was in the saddle. I said, I cannot believe this. I'm not going to see shit. And my <laughs> camera's telling me that these does are going past you, you know, constantly. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to put an arrow in a doe and pack the freezer full. I'm thinking it's yep. going to be a slam dunk. Well, I didn't see a damn thing. You know, <laughs> for sure. Didn't bump yep. anything going in that I know of. And yep. Just didn't see nothing. It, just, it, it didn't work out there. Well, like you said, you think you got them figured out? You think, oh, it's a slam dunk. You go in there and then. It's humbling, man. It is, definitely. I don't know if you have much time left, but I want to get into the buck that you killed this year if you have time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so so this year you killed a, an awesome buck here in Michigan, so I'd like to get into that a little bit. I mean, was that a deer that you've known about for a year or two, or was it just a new deer show up this nope. year? Like, what was the situation? That's a deer that I didn't know anything about until this summer when a friend of mine got pictures of the buck that he wound up killing. Um, his buck and my buck were kind of like buds all summer long they hung out together and i didn't realize this until after i killed him he just started sending me pictures and i'm like holy shit that's the same deer that i shot you know yeah um, so no i mean up until i killed him i bet i i don't think i had no two or three videos on my spartan camera of him but yep. that was it so with that deer I mean, did you ha- did you see him at all this year, or like before you killed him? Like any encounters with him, or was it just kind of like he showed up that night and uh, you know it right, happened? Right before I left for Nebraska, I went to Western Nebraska around Halloween and came back like November tenth. So right before I went to Nebraska, I got a daylight picture of him working a scrape on that same property. And okay. uh, at that time, it was just my Spartan camera went off like it always does. Oh, cool. There's, you know, there's a nice buck working the scrape. I'm not there. That's awesome. It works. <laughs> it's really, it's really cool to see that. But yep. uh, at that time, I didn't really think anything of it. Well, he popped up again on my camera and I thought, well, holy shit, there's this deer again. <clears throat> and then the next night he did the same thing. So I just went in and killed him. What, what, what day was that? Uh, uh, November 27th. Okay, so and you kill him with a bow. Yeah. Okay, so he makes it through gun season. Do you got a lot of gun pressure around you? I mean, there's gun pressure everywhere in Michigan. Yeah, but. yeah. There's there's lots of gun pressure. I mean, we have a lot of public land around our house, and uh, they just they cram right in there as tight as they can get. For sure. I heard a guy. So now I heard you, a guy coughing in his blind oh, when Jesus. I was out there the night I killed that buck. I heard a guy coughing and talking on his cell phone. The cell phone rang, and he's 
yeah, yeah, no, I'm hunting right now. And, you know, this sort of oh. thing. And I'm thinking, holy <laughs> shit, there's no, what am I doing out here? There's no, there's no way I'm going to see anything. Yep. Now you said you got a picture of him, what, two or three days before you killed him? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So what was he doing? Like, was he working a uh, food source or a train feature? What was, what was the story? There? Oh, he was just coming through this, this thick chunk of pines. Just using that. I mean, was he? The only thing food? I can think is he was using he was using those pines as cover to get from one side of this property to the other, and it's just really okay. thick in there. And uh, there's a gap in the middle of these pines where there's some old scrapes. Um, they weren't active at the time. I mean, it's like the latter part of November, but I just yep. I just set up hoping to see something, and because I had that locked into one. Well, I had just well, tripped, no, I had tripped I, into I had those, <laughs> I had those, that, vid, that previous video of him. So I thought maybe if okay. he's gonna come by, you know, again. I'll be I'll be in luck. Yep. So you're going off like you know, um, more most recent information, yeah. kind of going for the. Yeah, I got you. Now was that uh, was that when did you get the picture of him? Like, what time of day was it? One time it was nine a.m., like nine thirty a.m., somewhere in there. And then the second time I got his picture, it was just after dark. Okay. So the nine thirty a.m. That's pretty late in the morning, then, yes. right? I mean. With yes. the time change, he's a couple hours after daylight. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever think right then, like, okay, he's going a certain way, he's going back to bed, or like the gears start turning, I would think. Yeah, I was actually in the tree stand when he walked by that camera. I was on the property that I was at tonight, and I remember telling okay. my wife, well, if I would have been there, I would have killed him because <clears throat> I, was, I was in my saddle on a different property when my camera went off. And yep. I, I opened the video, and there he is thinking, dumbass, you should have went here instead of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was wondering, I, I was wondering, what are you doing there at nine thirty in the morning? Where are you going? You know, did he get did he get bumped by somebody? Is he going back to bed? I don't, you know what I mean. I don't know what the hell he was doing. I don't have, right. I didn't have enough information of this buck, to, you know, to to put those pieces together. So, yeah, and then point, I, I was mean, just wondering what the you know what he was doing and where he was going. Right, and I'd have done the same thing. Go where go where the daylight photo is. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> you know? man. So with that sit, was that a morning or evening? When I killed him? Yep. That was evening. Evening. Yeah. So you went in and, I mean, take me through that evening. Like, how would everything unfold? I went in that evening and, shit, it must have been half hour before dark. He stepped out in that gap. Same spot that I got the picture of him two nights before because it was the previous morning that I got the video and then that night before that morning I got a video of him. So... I went in that evening and he walked out 19 yards. I looked over and I saw him and I just grabbed my bow and put it to him. I mean, it was that quick. It was. <laughs> there really wasn't that much to that. Huh? You just tripped into one. I love it. Pretty much. I mean, I, <laughs> dude, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't hunt any any fancy places. They're all really, really, really small parcels. I mean, most of the places I hunt don't exceed 10, 20 acres. Yep. So low impact is key for me. I mean, I, I always use the phrase that I hunt my cameras more than I hunt my stands. Okay. You know what I mean? So if I'm getting, yep, I just hang cameras all over the place. And if I'm getting regular pictures of a buck that I want to shoot during daylight, then I just go in and hunt them. But usually I don't hunt them until I wait. Or I, I usually don't go in and hunt that deer until I get a cold front. I'm not just going to stumble in there and try to kill the damn thing if yep. it's showing up daylight. I mean, if just go on a whim. You're not really doing that. No, I mean, if if you got a buck that's showing up daylight with regularity, then you'd be a fool not to just go in there and sit, as long as the wind is con- conducive to that sit. But 
I typically only hunt cold fronts. Yep. So now with that scenario and you're putting cameras out like crazy, you know, you got a lot of cameras out. How are you checking the cameras in season? Like you're trying to keep the impact low or are you using all cell cams? Next year, it's, well, as long as my wife will let me, it's all going to be cell cams. But this, this, <laughs> year, this year, I, don't, I only have one cell cam. She bought me a Spartan cam last Christmas, and the thing is awesome. I mean, it spoils the hell out of you. How could it not? I mean, I'm at work. And I'm looking at deer going by my camera, but yeah. I don't ever go in and pull cards unless I'm at that stand to hunt or if I'm in that location to hunt or for whatever reason i just don't randomly go in there i was talking to a guy at work that has he's got some awesome property and this guy's going into these cameras as much as he possibly can to pull these cards mm-hmm. and i'm telling him dude you have to stop doing that well come yep. bow season he's saying well i'm not seeing shit you know these deer aren't moving till after dark and i'm just kind of thinking i know why <laughs> i know i i i get it i just don't like the whole card pulling thing and i mean i can i avoid it at all cost yep and that's a, I've got two cell cams and, you know, on my smaller farms, I run them exclusively. I didn't have to go in and check one camera this year and it helped out a ton. Yeah. How was you know, it not just, amazing? It, it, it's, it is amazing. <laughs> I, it, you know, both cameras, I get the picture within 40 seconds. Now mm-hmm. I've had this discussion before with guys and it's like, when does it become unethical? You know? And it's like, you get a picture of a deer, a Dude. buck, and then you have a gun in your hands. You know, it might be gun <clears> season. <throat> you go around and kill. Like, okay, that's that's a little unethical. But I had a scenario this year going into my one-acre farm. I'm walking a, a fence row going into it. I literally I get 40 yards from the timber, and it's thicker and dog shit in there because I've done so much habitat work and hinge mm-hmm. cutting and everything. I get my phone out, and I, you know, I've got the one acre set up to where in the middle of it, it is open. It is like everything's pushed up, but I've got a little food plot in the epicenter, in the center of this. Yeah. And that's where the deer hang out. I refresh that camera. Wouldn't you know it? There's a shooter on a doe standing and that deer is a hundred yards from me, but they can't see me. So I'm like, can't get in my stand, you know? So I literally back out, go back to the truck, drive down the road, get out, get into another stand that I'm like, okay, if, if that doe is going to bring him anywhere, I feel like she's going to take this fence row and she's going to bring him by me that, you know, that night at some point. What did she do? She did that. And <laughs> half hour before dark, she comes out to my left and I'm like, oh, my God. I like you. I've, I've had these moments where you look at a doe and you're like, that's her. That's her doe. You know, or that's yeah. his doe. She comes out. I look behind in the timber and there he is. And I'm it, like, are you kidding me? This is going to happen comes out i fucked up he was at 46 yards i pull back i go into blackout mode i put the pin on him and when i released my bottom limb hit a limb in the tree now oh, i'm not talking about shit. a little limb i'm talking about like yeah. a six inch in diameter limb i'm in a huge oak tree <laughs> i don't want to hear my anymore. bow <laughs> the vibration through my bow Jeez. and i go and it goes right over his back and i'm like but see no the arrow didn't connect, but how awesome does that shit feel? You know what I mean? Oh, how dude, awesome it, does that? How awesome does that feel? You saw it, that it, picture. You, yep. Maybe you know most people probably would have been like, "Oh shit, I'm still going in." You know, I don't think yep. many people would, knowing that they're going to bump the deer out of there. But how awesome does that make you feel internally that you put those pieces together and you thought to myself, "This is where I need to go because this is 
my best chance of killing this fucker if he comes by. And it 100%. happens. You got to, you got to fling an arrow at him. Yeah, you know, and that was the same discussion I had with my wife that night. You know, when I came home and she's like, "Well, what happened?" And I'm like, "I can't even be mad at myself, like, because I did everything right." Like I felt exactly. the one time I did everything right, and I was in the stand too. After the arrow flew over his back, I'm like, you know, I said, "Son of a bitch," and I'm like, trying to figure out what's going on and what happened. And finally, he works off. He wasn't even that spooked. He worked off with the dough. And then I sit there and I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, you can't even be mad at yourself. Like, you no, put yourself in the situation and just shit happens. You know? You get? I don't know. I don't know. I I think that most people, they get too wrapped up in TV and they get too wrapped up in inches and what their buddies are going to think. You know what I mean? As far as if, 100%. I, if I kill this buck, are my buddies going to be excited for me? Who Can I put it on yeah, Instagram? Yeah. I, how many <laughs> likes am I going to get on Instagram if I kill this goddamn thing? Who fucking cares? Yep. If the buck's coming through the timber and your heart's fired up, kill the damn thing and be happy yep. with yourself. You know what I mean, if nobody wants to be happy for you, they can eat shit. For sure. I mean, and that's <laughs> the buck that I hey. killed this year. He's I bet I bet he's in net just barely over a hundred inches, and I would kill him tomorrow if he walked back in front of me. And I can think of a handful of buddies right now that would scoff at me if I did the same thing again. They scoffed at me the first time, but I don't really give a shit because, hey, I beat the deer at his own game. I killed the deer with my my bow during gun season, during the latter part of gun season in Michigan. Do what makes you happy, man. That's, that's, like I said, that's what's so cool about this sport is we all get to do whatever the hell we want. If the next guy doesn't like it, he can eat shit. (laughs) <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, we got to make a T-shirt that says that you can eat shit. <laughs> eat shit if you don't like it. You know, and I had that moment, and I I don't know if you heard the the podcast a couple episodes ago when I talked about my Kansas buck, and yep. you know, I, you and I talked about it, dude. <laughs> yeah. I I I had a I had a coming to Jesus moment with myself, and my buddy and coworker that was filming me, Lee. You know, we were reviewing the footage after I shot him, and he's like, dude, I think it's the broken bean buck. And he wasn't saying, like, oh, shit, it's the broken. He was just like, dude, you know, like, it's a fucking great deer. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not, right? And he goes, no, I think it is. And I looked at it, I'm like, and I had this moment of, like, pissed off. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, I had this moment for 15 minutes, like, not saying anything, like, immediately every adrenaline dump that I just had was gone because I'm like, God, it's broken beam. Like, dang, you know, like, like what the hell? And then finally, like Lee and I were talking, we were kind of doing some filming and everything. And I looked at him like, you know what? Who gives a shit? Like, I just had this coming to Jesus. Like, dude, you forgetting why you do this. Oh, I got the biggest smile on my face right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And like, and, and when I walked up on that deer, dude, I was – I so I got excited again in the blind after bitching myself out in my head. Like, don't be a dipshit. Don't be an asshat and and be that guy. <clears throat> and then when we did the track and everything, walked up on – holy shit. I walked up. I'm like, this is See? the biggest deer I've ever killed. They're wild animals, man. They are. You and them, I don't know. <laughs> it's frustrating it's, it's just frustrating when guys get so hell-bent on killing the biggest buck so they can get the most likes on their instagram page i just don't give a shit about it 
Yeah. I don't. Well, and the the saying goes, "Big deer make people go crazy." You know. That's right. And it, it's funny because uh, I'm gonna tell a little story here again. Like after I killed my big deer in Iowa last year, I killed him on November seventh, and. Uh, we were staying with a good friend of ours. He has an outfitter, but we just stay with him when we when we go hunt. We mm-hmm. have our own lease and everything in Iowa, and he's got guys in camp all the time. Well, when Casey and I came back to camp with this deer, I mean, he scored 186, and people were just like, Jesus, you know. So Chad, he's the owner of the outfitter. He's really good friends with us, and he texts us every day about, you know, what – what stupid shit's going on in camp and everything and who misses what and what deer they're killing and everything. He had a guy come in the week after we were there and that guy had seen that deer on social media and knew it came from, you know, the area that Chad's yeah. outfitting in, you know, cause our lease yep. is, is close to some of Chad's farms. And, um, he, the, it was like the first or second day he was there passes up like a mid one sixties deer. Okay. Ooh. And Chad comes, yeah, and he pulled his phone out, never grabbed his bow, filmed him, came by at like 15 yards, okay, passed him, like a main, like like a slick 10, that's like mid-160s. He gets back and shows Chad this video, and Chad's like, looks at him and goes, what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, well, you know, I saw that deer that Aaron killed last week, and Chad goes, I don't care. Like, that is a huge deer, (laughs) you know, mature, four, five, six-year-old deer. Yeah. And and he's and he Chad's like God like and the de- the guy never killed one you know that whole week because he was like it just I don't know <laughs> you know I like I understand like maybe holding out for if you're knowing a big I can't tell you if I knew that there was like here on my farm here in Michigan if I knew there was a 150 and I had a 120 come by and it made me excited I don't think I'd pass that deer oh I'm pulling the trigger. <laughs> a bird in the hands better than two you, in the bush, you, right? You took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth, man. I've said that to my wife so many times. Bird in the hand. Yeah, I'm I'm not waiting. Because you yeah. never know what's gonna happen. The neighbor you I mean he might be dead. He might be two miles away. He might be might be two miles away. Right. Yep. I'm, not, just... I'm not fucking waiting. <laughs> I love it. I'm not. I love it. I got a couple of rapid questions for you here. I'm gonna put you on on the spot. Something I haven't even preempted at all for you. So, if there was a person coming to let's say Michigan to hunt, never hunted Michigan, new hunter or if it's an experienced hunter, what are three things that you would tell that person to hone in on or look for to to kill the biggest deer in the area? Uh, go deep. Sit as still as you possibly can because they'll spot your eye your fucking eyes moving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I have fun, I guess. I don't know. I like that. That's a difficult. No, that's, like that. that's a difficult question because I was just talking to a good friend of mine from Western Nebraska. He he uh he's used to hunting bucks that by far and away exceed hours and inches. I mean, he looks at some of the the pictures I send him, and he's he's very he's very nice. He's always like, oh yeah, really, you know, awesome buck, man. But in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking this fucking thing is just tiny. You know what I mean? Because I do, I do the same thing. (laughs) He's used to looking at bucks that are north of 60 that are are just massive. And he's debating on killing these things. Well, anyways, I keep telling him, Hey, come on out to the mitten and I'll put you on a big double unicorn. You know, they are a big, big hundred inch, (laughs) a big hundred inch buck that is half Navy seal. And we'll see how, see how you do. 
but yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I always tell guys, if I were to tell somebody, I would tell them to go as deep as you possibly can. If you're hunting public land, which most people do, go yep. as far as you can. Sit your ass still and have fun. Yep. No, I go through that same thing though. Like guys, you go out to Kansas or something, you see locals, and it's like they're showing you pictures. And then you're like, oh, I'm hunting this one back home, and they're like, Yeah, that's it's a cool Pope and young deer. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. you don't have any clue. He's only one. Now. He's only one forty. Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. Sweet. Yep. So we. Yep. I just I shot a ninety-inch buck last week, uh, and I won't show you his picture, <laughs> but. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I guess, so the other question I have is what's your, everybody wants to know from a lot of people I get, this is one of the questions I get a lot is like, what is your scent regimen? Do you have a scent control regimen at all? Keep it away from their nose. <laughs> Play the wind. Yep. I mean, <laughs> that's I, I, it's, it's silly and it's, it's fucking stupid to say, but <clears throat> I, I, I know people that are on the far end of the spec is like as far and as far as you can go on the end of on the spectrum of scent control as you could possibly get. And I know other guys that just don't give a shit. I know everybody in between. I'm kind of the guy in between. I mean, if yeah, yeah, I'll wash up and I'll spray my clothes and I'll, and I'll wash my clothes and shit like that. But if I don't have a wind that's conducive to where I think a buck is going to be approaching from or a, or a deer, if I can't beat the deer's nose then I'm just going to stay the hell away, you know what I mean? Yep. Because I, I, yep. I just don't believe in all the scent control stuff. I don't really believe in scent lock, and I don't believe in the sprays. I mean, I think in my personal experience, I think the difference in wearing it and not wearing it is maybe a deer still gets a nose full of you, and you might get a shot at them if you're wearing it. Maybe, you know what I mean? Yep. Maybe they just don't booger right away, but they're still going to fucking smell you. For sure. I just don't yep. think you can I, – I don't think you can 100% beat their nose. Yep. More often than no, not, I, I try to just set up and <clears throat> I try to set up – with a wind that's advantageous to both me and the deer or where I think the deer is going to be coming from. Yep. So. For sure. And, and, and that's, I agree hundred percent. There's, you know, I, I don't spray down hardly at all. Like I, I probably, I probably should. That's fucking <laughs> guess, expensive. Here's, give, me, does, give me 25 it, bucks for this eight ounce bottle of spray to spray your dad, spray your fucking the end of your boots yep. with, and then you don't have anything left. Yep. Hopefully no, the rest of you I, doesn't stink. <laughs> I agree. And then like I don't wear any scent lock. You know, we I have you know, I wear honestly I wear more the clothes that I wear. I, I have a lot of base layers stuff that I use that I, I put more effort and time and money into my base layers than I do my outer layers. Oh yeah. My outer layers are honestly like mountain hunting, like something that you'd go on a, like a sheep hunt with. Yeah. Very thin yep. and you know, very athletic fitting. But my base layers is what's gonna kill me or save me yeah i'd be i'd be more concerned about staying comfortable and warm than worrying about whether or not i i smell bad as a deer yep for sure because if i smell bad i'm gonna smell really bad or i'm gonna smell kind of bad but i'm still gonna smell bad (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah but if i'm fucking warm and comfortable it's gonna be you know what i mean if if i'm warm and comfortable i might be able to sit all day warm and comfortable and still stink and still see deer yep no Uh, i get it play the wind man yeah, I don't, play the win. I don't get into any of that shit. That is too expensive. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, people that we're talking to and people that are listening to this are guys like you and I. You know, they got families and, you know, don't have a ton of extra money to be spending on, like, ozone machines and yeah, lockers I, <laughs> and, you know, and, like, to buy, like, I buy the Arm & Hammer 
you know, uh, detergent that has go. like the no don't no dyes and no yeah. whatever it is, no perfumes or whatnot. You go buy the same mixture in a, like a you know a wildlife research, yeah. and it's like seventeen bucks, and you're like, shit, this is only three three gallons. <laughs> it only yeah. does like fifteen loads. I don't think I'd want to have that conversation where I came home from the store with a four hundred or five hundred dollar Ozonix machine, and had to explain to my wife. Oh, baby, this is just so the deer don't smell me. Yeah, <laughs> she kicked my ass. You know, I, I there was a time where I used Ozonix, like an Ozonix machine, for a couple years, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I did see a difference, a difference in the way mature does acted. I've had mature does down; mm-hmm. like they'd, they'd always put their nose in the air, but then it was. I always felt like it was. It had to be like a perfect wind scenario. Yeah, like it had to be like a ten mile an hour wind. It couldn't be okay. a twelve mile an hour so, wind. See, when you said that, something popped in my head. Now, how much? How much of that is a wind speed and be thermal? I mean, because there's been certain situ- sure. there's been certain situations where I've had mature does, which believe me, I believe are by far and away smarter than most goddamn bucks could ever be. And depending on the wind direction, the wind speed. And the thermals, the thermal movement, I mean, I've had those completely downwind of me. They never even picked their fucking heads up. Yep. But I've had times where I can tell they've got me. Like, they've, they, you know, they get a whiff of me, but they're just like, okay, where did that come from? Or the wind's swirling, or it's not blowing quite hard enough to where they just don't get it, and they just move through it. So who I the hell, who the hell's going to tell me that if I had scent lock on or if I had no, if I had ozonics or if I sprayed my clothes down, that that's going to make the difference. I don't know because there's been times where I haven't done a goddamn thing, but get up, drink coffee or have a beer on the way to the tree stand or, you know, eat some bacon or something. And I climb up and <laughs> I climb, you know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's silly, yeah. but you just, you don't do anything other than the worst possible thing you think you could do as far as scent control is concerned. And they yep. still don't smell you when they go downwind. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. Like you get the guys. I'm not gonna name drop or anything, but you get the guys that you know who I'm ta- gonna talk about. Oh but, yeah, it, that are just you know put gloves on to get dressed. Yeah, you know, no thanks. And, 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 and I mean, if that works for you, that is fine and dandy. Like yeah, absolutely, great. If, that, if that gives you peace of mind and that's what you want to do, man, knock yourself out. I'll be I'll I'll be halfway to the tree while you're still taking your fucking gloves off. <laughs> well, my thing to that is like. Okay, you've got your body covered, and air quotes like you got what you know you you got that covered. Mm-hmm. What about your, your fletching on your arrow, or the felt on your rest, or the bolts, the the grease yeah, on your yeah, bow? Yeah, I was gonna say, what about the grease in in your bow and you know in your cams and all that shit? What about that? Stuff? That's what I'm talking Are about. Are you hanging your bow out all season long? Do you not ever bring it inside? And still, I mean. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Like, I don't feel like you can be 100% scent free with a weapon in your hand. I'll say that disclaimer. I just don't think you can. And if you have proof that can prove me wrong, then I mean, kudos because I just don't think you can. And even if you can prove me wrong, I'm gonna still do the same shit I've been doing. It's, <laughs> it's worked pretty well for me. So if that's yeah. if you want to go through all that trouble, I've got I've got friends that do all that stuff where they, it takes them three hours to get dressed because they have to blast their clothes or whatever the hell they call it. Yep. Well, well and I got. Well, I'm gonna get my shit on and uh, <laughs> let me know when you just sat down. I'll I'll, I'll be hunting already. <laughs> well, and I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say we're bashing everybody that they're probably listening no, to no, I'm, I'm not and stuff bashing like. guys. I mean, like, <laughs> it, 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 
I can definitely see how it sounds like that. And I'm sorry, guys, if you think I'm bashing you for that that stuff. I'm not. I'm just. It's just not for me because I, I tend to be more of a realist when it comes to that stuff. I just don't think you're going to beat their nose. And if you do beat their nose, it's going to be barely beating it. I mean, they're still going to yep. smell you, but you might just be able to get a shot off instead of you know instead of them running out of there as fast as they sure. can. Well, yeah, and you know I. I got really lax with my scent control this year because we have this we have this discussion in our camp that it's like one guy goes out and he's like for the last three years he could do no wrong. You know, he just guy X, whoever that is, he just, you know, kills a buck. Like he'll he'll go out in like two sits every year, three sits, kill a buck, kill a good buck. But really doesn't like really passionate about hunting but doesn't take you look at this guy and he's like you don't he doesn't take the steps that you take like i'm wearing knee highs he's wearing leathers Mm -hmm. like stuff like that so then this year i kind of went into it like fuck it you know like i'm gonna still take my shower i'm still gonna like wash my clothes i i put them in a tub you know and i usually put cedar boughs or something in the tub like that's kind of the extent of my scent control and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna wear. I'm not gonna wear knee highs most of the time this year, and just kind of like experiment a little bit. I didn't see a difference, and the difference that I did see is I was more comfortable. I had less calf sweat <laughs> than I had, yeah. you know. Like yeah. I mean, knee highs. I get they serve a purpose, but motherfucker, I sweat more and more when I'm going to a stand or coming back from a stand, and it's just uncomfortable. Dude, but on the flip side, I one of my best friends. <clears throat> will take his trail cameras out a month before season and he'll hang them in a tree in his yard just to air them out, just to make sure there's no human scent on them. But, but for the every, every year since I've known this guy, this guy tags out with bucks that are, you know, in the P and Y range or above yep. with, with his bow. I mean, this guy is, he's a freaking killer. So, yep. So who's to say what he does is wrong or or is right comparatively, sure. you know, to, to, to the next guy? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's just getting I guess, lucky. <laughs> I guess what we're saying is just find out what works for you and, and, Amen. and run it. <laughs> it if you if you if you do backflips on the way to the tree stand and you're killing a buck, keep fucking doing backflips. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna start going working out a little more yeah. and just try to do backflips then. <laughs> I don't know. No, man. I get it, man. We're that's, a, that's cool. We're in a we're in a, we're, we are in an awesome place as far as whitetail whitetail hunting is concerned. I mean, this I think there's like a major shift compared to where we were ten years ago, to where we are now and where we're going oh. in the next five years. Huge I'd, shift, man. I think it's awesome the way you know everybody's getting on board with just letting you know letting bucks get older. I mean, you didn't have this culture when you know when you or I were kids. Hell, when I was growing up, no, we'd have during gun season shit. Deer would cross the back forty, and there they go. Everybody grabbed their goddamn rifles, and they're just slinging as much lead as at these deer as they possibly can. They didn't give a shit how big they were if they hit them. I mean, that's just that was the culture. Well, now people are understanding; they're educating themselves that if you know you let these deer get a little bit of age on them, they're going to get a lot bigger. People are starting to learn more about deer hunting and deer behavior. It's just it's getting a lot more fun. Hundred percent. No, I agree. Like I. So right now, as we're recording this, I'm almost done with quarantine. I've, I don't have COVID, but I've been exposed to somebody with COVID, and I've been at my deer camp for the last 
10 days and just living here by myself. So what I'm getting at here is I look at the walls around me, okay? We've got like 19 shoulder mounts on here from guys that have, you know, everybody that's killed a, a mounter up here. Yep. It's, it's on the wall. But then you see, so I got really bored one day. And I mean, we've got probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess 40 or 50 racks either on plaques or, you know, just scalped, you know, like yeah. you just cut them off. Yeah. And, right you know, skull plate. Yep. Yep. So I'm looking around here and I got really bored, took them all off the wall and I cleaned it. Okay. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I did. Yep. Because they've been up here forever. And and I was like, they all have their tags on them from like the, the really? 80s. Yeah. So like my dad... And then his best friend, they hunted this. So this is my family farm. Like, I'm the only blood relative that hunts this farm still. But my dad and his best friend hunted this since, like, the late 70s. Well, when they started killing bucks, they keep the tags on them. Like, I have tags from 80, 87 or 88. So I was born in 87. That is so, cool. Yeah. So I started, or like, put, laying these deer out on the ground, and I was going to put them back on the wall by year. So you could go up and see, like, right. okay, shot these in 87, 88, yep. like, yada, yada, so on and so forth. And I got them all done, and I sent a group text to, like, all the guys at camp. And I'm like, well, the 90s were a really bitch on the year and a half old deers. <laughs> <laughs> I just said deers. But deer, literally, I'm looking at all these deer in the 90s, year and a half, all of them. You know, like you could just tell. I mean, there might be a two and a half sprinkle. I shouldn't say that. My dad killed two slammers in '89 and '90, and so did his best friend. Killed a couple, but shit, back then you could kill like four bucks, three sure. or four bucks in Michigan. Yeah. But I mean, my dad killed like a 128, and he killed like a 124, and he was on a spree there for a little bit. But then the same year, so 1990, he shoots out like a 128, and then his other two bucks were like. 40 inches you know and it was just like <laughs> that was the mentality and it was funny to hear my dad talk about like it literally did not matter they didn't know anything about the rut it was like they knew the deer would chase deer you know and it was yeah. like that time but like in the 90s if they could see white ivory or white antler white bone right. they were killing it like that was and then the tailgates down and we're going to drink beer you That's know <laughs> See, I'm again. I'm conflicted. Why does it give a shit? You know what I mean. I, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person for, for thinking. Well, maybe you should have passed him up. Yep. If we just got done talking about this, but why does it matter? Yep. Where you know when did that shift occur? In in, in the hunting community, where it's no longer socially acceptable to shoot a buck that's not up to someone else's standards, or it's not as big as what the next guy would shoot. I'm going to say when Mark Zuckerberg I, founded Facebook. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Kick you know? <laughs> I, no, did, yeah, I agree. Social media and, and TV, I just, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, what does Jeff Sturgis talk, what, what does he say about Kansas and, you know, Illinois and Iowa? He calls them the fairy tale states or the fairyland yep. state, whatever the hell he says. I mean, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. You have to hunt deer in a situation that's applicable to where you hunt. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go out to the woods back here behind my house and expect to kill a 190 inch buck like Lee Likoski's hunting. It's, it's not, I'm going to wind up disappointed every fucking year. 
Yep. And you won't kill any deer. No, you won't kill shit. I'm, I'm sorry. My, my wife's going, how come you ain't killed deer? I'm, I'm holding out. There's 190 back here somewhere. <laughs> I'm going to get him. Well, <laughs> I haven't seen him yet, but I know he's I back there. I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> seen a lot of 140s, but they're not big enough. Well, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, you, you've you hunted Kansas. I've hunted Kansas. You've hunted Nebraska. I've, I went to Nebraska this year, uh, western Nebraska, actually. And, um, you know, I've been to Iowa. I've been to Illinois. I've I've hunted a lot of those states, but I've, I'm also filming, so I'm, like, in the hunt all the time. Every yeah. every fall, I'm there. So it's like I can't go to our Kansas farm and like and come back home and hunt the same way I hunt in you can't. Kansas. No, you can't. You can't. <clears throat> Dude, the buck that I the biggest buck that I've ever killed in my life, I killed him with a bow. Me and the girls would call him BK, Big Kansas. He he nets like 153 and change. It doesn't fucking matter. He's he's not a giant. He's not a, sm- a small buck. But that's the point, a stud, the, man. The, the point I'm trying <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is I went out to Western Kansas on my own with my Ford Taurus one year. I slept in my car for seven days. I shot this goddamn buck, drug him out, drug him out of the prairie, stuffed him in the trunk of the car, took him to the uh, taxidermist south of town where I was hunting. And uh, I pulled him out of the trunk. There were some locals there getting their deer ready, you know, for the taxidermist. And they said, that's a nice buck. He ain't bad. And I remember thinking, this is the biggest fucking buck I've ever killed in my life. I've never seen anything this big. He ain't bad or he's decent. But that's what I mean. It's when, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's all relative to where you're hunting. To them, that wasn't it. Wasn't a giant buck. I mean, like I said, he's a hundred and fifty-three inch buck. They're like, "Hey, he's, he's a decent buck." But I'm thinking, That's "Holy shit, anywhere. this thing is gigantic!" I mean, I, I wanted to sleep with him. I wanted to drag him in the hotel with me. <laughs> but it just, it's, I don't. You, you, you just have to be realistic to where you're, to where you're hunting. That's why, for sure, I don't want guys in Michigan to be bummed out or not pull the trigger because a 110 inch buck walks by and they're thinking oh my buddies ain't gonna high five me if i shoot this thing well piss on your buddies get some different fucking buddies if you shoot a 110 yeah, hanging buck, out with the wrong people call me i'll come high five your ass i'll bring a case of yep. beer with me i'll be right there with you yeah. too i'll be the first person to say congratulations man i've <laughs> yeah. I'll always say it like and i won't lie to you i told i said it earlier in this podcast i was the asshat before saying what the fuck oh, so man? was i you know I, I'm looking Buck at a deer right now on the wall, okay? He is scalped off. He is a year-and-a-half-old deer. I, you can just tell. He's an eight-pointer. As it, This is his first rack. So his first year, he was either a button buck or a spike or something. He probably wasn't a spike. He's yeah. probably like a button buck. Or, he's a, like, genetically gifted animal, and he gets shot on opening day rifle season by one of our guys. And I remember, this was years ago, I remember thinking, and I don't know if I said it or not. I was a, I was a asshat of a kid. Like, really? Like, God! Like that is a deer that we need to let go one more year. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I have no room to talk. Like, yep. you should not even be saying anything. You know? I hear you, I man. I had my, uh, I had my horns riding in the truck with the work truck with me today. My coworkers like, what the hell you got those in the truck for? And, He's he's a bow hunter too. I brought him down and let him take a look at him. He's like, oh, he's he's not a bad buck. He's nice. He would have been a lot bigger next year. I said, yeah, he probably would have, but uh, he better fuck now. So, 
He ain't gonna get any bigger, is he? And he just kind of looked Shit, at him and I said, "Well, it. why don't you go back to what you were doing? If you're not gonna high five me, y'all, if all you have to say is he would have been bigger next year, kiss my ass." Yeah. Well, and disclaimer, you know, disclaimer to everybody: we're not like I shouldn't. It's not disclaimer, but we're saying we're not saying go out and just shoot every no block <laughs> out there. Shoot <laughs> no. what makes you happy. Don't let anybody that, else like yeah. That's you know cloud your dis- your your decision that's what i'm just trying to drive home man and i'm not saying to shoot every damn thing that walks by you know i mean it, unless that's what you're into but i'm i personally am not i don't i don't represent that part of the hunting community i mean if a buck comes through the woods or if i have history with a buck and he makes me happy or he makes me excited he gets me fired up i'm killing him I don't really yep. give a shit if you think he's bigger, or if, or if you think he's big enough, or if you think he would be, you know, big, you know, bigger next year. If you would not personally have shot him, I don't really give a shit. Nope, I agree, one hundred percent, man. You're speaking my language. I like <laughs> it. It makes me happy. I'm killing him, and I'm yep. I'm thankful that my wife supports that. My girls support that. You know, if I bring home a buck that's that everybody else would consider just a tiny little dink. I know that my wife and my daughters are just going nuts about it because yep. they know how much it means to me to, to go out and chase these things and kill them with a bow. Yeah. And you're, you're taking time away from your family too. You know, exactly. this is, this is what you do. So it's like, it's cool God, that they the understand that. I know. I can't, you know? I can't even begin to describe how lucky I am with my wife. She's always telling me just, just go, you know, you want to go with, what makes you happy i know you love to yeah. go like every time i'm out in the tree especially when i'm not seeing shit that's the worst i'm thinking jesus how lucky am i she she's sitting at home with the kids and i'm out here swinging around in the tree and she's perfectly <laughs> fine with it <laughs> yeah you definitely sounds like you out punted your coverage on that one. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah yep. well good deal man i we're we're an hour and a half into this i've taken up too much of your time I feel like probably now I could talk for another two hours oh, if yeah, I went reloaded too. on beer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I appreciate you coming on and doing this, man. We should we should do this again for sure. Yeah, definitely. I I really enjoyed it, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Maybe um, we can do another one on shed hunting. I think I'd have more to talk about. We should probably do that because I shed hunt every year and I don't find any sheds. Really? Yeah. Do not and I, I think it's just because my lack of knowing where to look i'm the worst shed hunter i and i feel like i just don't know what to look for you know it takes a couple i found a couple sheds in my life but like you know i feel like you almost have to plan a shed to like know what you're looking at kind of thing you know i feel like it's like you gotta get the eyes yeah absolutely calibrated i do it while i'm looking if i find one i just turn my head and throw it and see if i can refine it yeah i found no we should definitely i found 43 of them this year so Holy shit! In Michigan? Uh, not all in Michigan. I found three in Can or in Nebraska. That's a sore. But you found forty in Michigan, yeah, I guess. That's a sore subject because I drove all the way out west to go shed hunting, and my wife's like, "Oh, well, I guess you don't need to go out west to shed hunt anymore since you found them all in Michigan." Okay. So like, okay. <laughs> she's got. A, she's got a point. Um, she does have a point. But yeah, I found. So- four, I found three of them out west, and I found forty here in Michigan. Okay, yep, we're putting in the books. Here in a couple weeks, we're doing a shed hunting let's episode then. Let's do it. I'm picking your brain. We might have to get together to do that one. Let's let's maybe get together and have a few drinks and do it face-to-face. Perfect, man. That'll work with me. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I'm going to cut you loose here and uh, 
yeah, I guess that's all I got for tonight. All right, man. Take care. And there you have it. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I know we got off on some tangents there, but uh, hopefully I, I was a good enough host and brought it back and and uh, got within the conversation. But I enjoyed that fully. I mean, I've done, you know, how many of these now? 140-some interviews with people, and that honestly is top five. Brent is just a such a humble guy a good dude and i i can't say enough about him it you know and he's doing things for the right reasons that's what i'm getting at um but yeah thank you very much to brent for coming on and uh and taking up a lot of his time tonight and uh and recording so i appreciate that and i also appreciate everybody's support with the podcast all the downloads all the reviews all the ratings all all that stuff like that um, if you could go to iTunes, if you haven't left a review or a rating, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Greatly appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave you with that. So thank you very much, and uh, we will be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.